We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the Wombo Combo Podcast. I'm Bricky CPK, and as always, joined by BSD, of course. And we got some more Dota to talk about. Looking forward to another good week of a show here. But first things first, BSJ, how you doing, buddy? I don't know why it switches to push to talk. <laughs> okay, sorry. We're good. We're good. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I finally hit 8,000 MMR for the first time in my entire career. Nice. So that was uh, a nice little accomplishment for me this week. So that's been pretty exciting. And uh, aside from that, you know, life's normal. Life's good. Just chill, ready to talk about some more dotes. Yeah, I, I have not hit eight thousand MMR, so I can't I uh, can't say what the feels like. But uh, I, I've hit uh, I've hit what thirty two hundred I want to say so, almost halfway there. So, yeah, but not all of us can be superstars like yourself. So. Thank you. That's, yeah, of course. Um, no, but there is plenty to talk about when it comes to uh, when it comes to Dota this week. Despite uh, you know, obviously last week's show, we we had Nahaz on as a guest, and a great show it was. Not only because of Nahaz, he, he was a great guest after all, but uh, there was a great a uh, lot of things to talk about when it came to the uh, the major, of course. But you know, obviously after a major and that in between events, you, you kind of sit there and are like, oh, is there really going to be a lot that happens? How how we're going to fill up some content for these shows? I mean, there, there was there was quite a couple things that uh, that happened. So, uh, getting right into it, of course, there was some uh, big roster roster news uh, that that came out this week. Uh, the biggest one that we we knew was coming was, of course, the OG situation and who would be joining in the roster of OG. So, if you haven't heard by now. Find that pretty crazy, to be honest. But just to reiterate, uh, the three new players that were announced, of course, joining Topson and No-Tail. You have Sumail, Mid One, and Soxa are the three new players. So uh, again, Soxa and Sumail, may- maybe not as surprising. I think uh, I think Mid One, at least for myself, was certainly uh, the one that was a little bit of a standout. Mid One, to clarify, is going to be playing off lane uh, on the team. That's his role, and Sumail, of course, in that position one. So. There you go, the new roster. That's uh, I know all of us had our own reactions. VSJ, what was yours? Oh, uh, I mean, we were finally, you know, with Sumail, we we were expecting him. About time that a team picked him up. He was obviously a world class player for nothing short of a world class team. So, uh, no surprise there. Uh, mid one being off lane. From the theme of this of this uh, like off season that turned into roster swaps, 
it seems like people just want to play with certain players rather than playing uh, a specific position. Like they'd rather their lineup be ideal than exactly what they want to play. So I think that's exactly what happened with mid one here. And like, he just wants to play with this team. And the only spot that was left to fill was, was the off lane role. And that just makes sense. So as much as it's like, yeah, players are moving from role to role. I think players are just better so they can afford to move roles and like there's good enough to adjust you know how will he play out i think he's an insanely good player so i think he'll figure it out but i've also never seen him play anything but mid so that's going to be very interesting it's yeah so mid one on sticking to that topic okay because that that certainly is the the not not unique one, but it, it was the one that, at least for myself, again, was caught off guard. I predicted Soxa, not that that was that crazy of a prediction. He wasn't a picture after all. That was uh, released uh, before the event came out, so a little bit of a uh, spoiler there. But uh, again, Samil also just made sense, right? We kept, we kept talking about there's something clearly going on behind the scenes. Sure enough, it, it, it was come to found that uh, he's been just simply in the works with OG. Clearly he was contacted earlier on in the season about this potentially happening. And uh, that's why it uh, played out as it did. But yeah, mid one, we knew that he was out there, but where he would end up uh, was, uh, was, was a bit of a mystery. And here we are now. So, but going back to the ultimate point being that he's an off lane now, mid one's history, if I'm not mistaken, again, a obviously an awesome player when it comes to his M MMR, personal MMR, um, a lot of the high-ranked games that he played before he really jumped on with Team Secret or was really well-known was he randomed a lot of the time in that mid-roll, from my understanding. And so this is a guy that clearly has diversity in his portfolio when it comes to playing many, many different heroes. Um, and I think that's that will shine as far as playing for OG. But And this also sets up this other topic and this other idea of this is a trend. We are starting to feel out now, isn't it? Because most notoriously this season, Ramsey's for EG, a position one player that's always really played for the longest time, at least in his relevant pro career, now going to position three for a team like EG. Here we are with mid one, now playing for OG in a position three role. It's the argument was brought up after this announcement came up. I believe it was actually Kipps, uh, an analyst and, of course, a coach on the scene, et cetera, uh, talking about offlane, pure offlane players need to really step up and because clearly there's potential out there to be picked up by these teams. But I don't know if I agree with that. I, I feel like we are starting to see a little bit of a trend that these core history players are becoming the offlane options for these top tier teams rather than those players that are just 100% I play offlane all the time. I mean, BSJ, you yourself kind of, you know, you could speak for this, right? You've played a lot of position one for the longest time, and more recently, you've been playing position three. Yeah, I mean, I never I never hit AK my entire life, and, and then just playing offlane for like a month, I did it. I, I think offlane is a weird role. I think it's kind of the experience role of, of the three cores. Like it requires the most experience to be played properly. It's more about knowing, like, I think the offlane role from, uh, from a Dota perspective is, so you have your one and two position. And after those two heroes are accounted for in terms of items, in terms of what their heroes do, you're the one that's supposed to fill in the needs of the team. Do you need to build initiation? Do you need to build team fight? Do you need to build like auras to make them sustain? Like, what does your team need from you? Do they need you to farm aggressively on a certain part of the map to open up for those specific heroes? Like what I've realized playing offline, that's been my biggest strength is I'm playing other heroes. What I mean is I I'm playing the way I'm playing on Mars, for instance, according to what my PL from the safe lane needs me to do. So it's like, because hmm. I know what PL wants to do in a game. So what I'm noticing is like players that bother me the most when I play carry are the offlaners that just play the offlaner according to just a script. You know, they pick their hero and they're going to play accordingly. And I think having experience in other roles is actually a huge, huge. Um, it, it's basically like uh, starting from the with a head start on the offlane is what it feels like for me. And I think that's why it's so easy to go from that role from other core roles to the offlane role. And I think that on top of that, a lot of players are realizing that the elite group of players is so small that rather than try to find somebody else that can join the elites, they're just trying to combine all the elite players from all the ones and twos of all these teams mm -hmm. 
to be offlane. Like they, they just need to plug in that offlane role. I think clearly the offlane role has been lacking um, in a lot of teams. And even though I'm not trying to bash, you know, current offlaners or whatever, but especially in the NA region, you know, after universe, you know, name the me- next four best offlaners that are North American. I mean, even chaos, you know, how to outsource, I guess snaking definitely fits up there. Yeah. Moonmander, who's recently transitioned from three to four occasionally or five. Uh, but aside from that, the, the drop off is, is astronomical in terms of any success in competitive. So for me, it just makes sense that the offline role from all the reasons I said about how it operates is becoming this, okay, let's just take other core roles and put them there because they know what their mid laner needs. They know what their safe laner needs. And now all they need to do is be able to play the heroes. And for mid one, especially, I I don't think that's a problem as you already mentioned. I mean, he, isn't he the player in all of his tournaments where he'd play 18 games and have 17 different heroes (laughs) or something? That was him. Diversity is all is the name of his game. Absolutely. I think hero pool is the only thing that comes into question. Uh, when you when you're moving roles is if you've only played the role for a small amount of time and you're competing with offlaners who've played two three hundred games of each hero that you're trying to learn or whatever um, that's the only concern but mid one definitely is one of the most naturally gifted players and I think naturally gifted dota players the only advantage they really gain is that it takes them less time to learn a hero mechanically and conceptually than it does for other players it doesn't make them like better at the game. It just makes them take less time to learn the same amount of stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, for him, I, I have high hopes for that. And I think Sumail is an insane carry player. I've obviously had the displeasure of playing against it a lot in my uh, North American pubs. Sumail has been playing carry for a long time and he's clearly very good at it. He's He really takes his aggressive mid style and puts it in the carry role. I, I kind of learned a lot from him uh, where... Just because you're going farming items, like say I'm going Battle Fury, doesn't mean that I have to farm. And what I mean by that is like, if my hero is strong enough to fight, I should just do it. So it's like I I had I had games of vo- where I was playing against him in the Void patch, where he was just building you know first item Mjolnir, but he was fighting the entire game. And every time he'd like time walk into us with no chrono, like he had no chrono. And I was just like, what is he doing? <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, we can't kill this guy. Like, like he time walks in. Yeah, he doesn't chrono us, but he can't kill him. And I was just like, wow, like what's this concept of? It's not that my hero is particularly strong right now. The <laughs> opponent just can't do anything to me. So I'm just going to run at them all game. So I think his like unique mid style that we've all come to know is like watching him in the mid lane just play hyper aggressive. He's really transitioned that well to play and carry. And I, and for me, he opened up my eyes a lot on the carry role of being aggressive just for the sake of it. Uh, it bullies the opponent and makes them sit like very scared, very passive. And it applies dominance in a way that like forces errors. You know, you're, they're just scared. They're, they're not really sure what you're doing. They're like, why is this void with no chrono and a Mjolnir up in my face? I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, I look forward to watching these guys. I, 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 I talked highly of teams like NIP at the start of the season, and we've had our disappointments for the season. But <laughs> I have a hard time believing that uh, this team is going to disappoint. If not, at least wait till TI, you know? Yeah, it's it's still plenty of season left before TI. So, of course, that's the ultimate goal for a lot of these teams, really all these teams as we know. And we are now going to take a quick break to tell you about our brand new sponsor, Bet Online. Missed your chance to bet on the Chiefs? Fear not, listener. Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big no matter the time of the year. With March Madness, the Masters, Major League, opening day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. And plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. Head over to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy. And if you're already making wages, which include esports, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, to your point, it's interesting you're saying all that, and it's 
about the idea of Samael specifically and how he's this really just aggressive flair that knows really well that he can force the issue on, on all these heroes and what the timings are. Sounds very OG-esque. Uh, of course, that, that's, how they, that, that's, true. That, that's how they won these previous TIs, isn't it? And we saw on side for that matter, uh, which, by the way, I mean, we we're planning to talk too much about that, but I'm sure you saw. Holy crap. That was yet again another masterpiece of, of content. It's, it, we are so lucky and fortunate that Valve is willing to put in the resources and time to do such content, in my opinion. It's, it is really cool to see the behind the scenes. And again, to that, the idea that OG, oh, you could just tell they're all about having fun and pushing the issue and forcing a team like, uh, like well, Team Liquid at the time, now Nigma, of course, to make adjustments in a best of five grand finals and try to play like them. I mean, that says something about a team like OG, it really does. So, um, Sumail, of course, uh, it seems like it sounds like on paper at least should fit in well, and yeah, it goes without saying. This is a team I wouldn't necessarily say the pressure's on because again, it's it's they are still new players playing together. So I'm not I'm not expecting them to, to win these European qualifiers and go into this major and be one of the top teams. But by the time TI rolls around, the expectations should be very high for a team of this uh, of this makeup here. Yeah, I've had uh, real quick about true side. I I don't want to go too much into it because I know we have a lot of subjects. I just think that true side alone is proof of like what could be a valve actually invested in content for, for Dota. Like I think it's just a glimpse of the beauty of content that could come from from dota and it's almost bittersweet to me to see it because i'm like wow if they just put a bit more effort into content for dota this is how good it could always be you know but either way i, I think it's great but uh yeah. leaving it there uh the one thing i want to say is that i've had viewers in the past ask me questions like you know, can I play the way OG plays? Like Tops, and he's insane. You know, can I can I play like that? Can I just run around trying to kill people all game? And my overall response is like, there's a reason why nobody in the past has played like that. It takes five people. Like, it, you can't do that with one person not doing that, right? Like, if if you have four people and the fifth person isn't making use of the space or he's not. Uh, you know, killing the towers because the opponent's responding elsewhere. If he's not applying pressure himself, then what's effectively happening is you're just killing people without accomplishing anything. That That's what's happening. And I think going on your point that Sumail fits well into this team, I think mid one and Sumail definitely fit the crazy bill that is required to be a part of, of OG in an effective way. Um, I think people like ILTW, we're just much more consistent, conservative mm -hmm. carry players. And I think that's a big part of why a player like that, despite being individually talented on a team of very good players, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So I I do have high hopes for them because that's a good point that you made and kind of reminded me. Uh, it does take the five crazy people to make what OG does work. And I think, I think that they're – uh core positions i don't know too much about soxa in that regard you know that's sure. a question mark for me i have no question that Soxa is a good player but that kind of goes along with the same thing of you know i also knew iltw was a good player and that obviously flopped massively so i uh i'm curious to see how soxa fits into the entire equation uh in terms of replacing jerax because jerax is obviously exactly how og played he, he was pers he really did uh fit that bill perfectly so and that, curious to see how socks it fits yeah yeah somebody's even bringing up that up in chat you know can he fill it, uh jerks shoes and uh, that's almost just not even a fair question in my my opinion i mean we're talking about one of the best position four specific players ever to play dota and you know nahaz even said it so well last week in, in our show that this guy just he transcended the position he really made it his own and uh, it, to, to expect Soxa to just fill Jerax's shoes and all of a sudden become the new Jerax is, is, is just not fair. So now with that in mind, again, obviously Sox is a great player. Uh, I think uh, I think the fair, the valid almost like criticism is, you know, does he fit that bill of being willing and able to go crazy mode uh, with the team? Because it seems like we have the history with like you're talking about with Samail and especially mid one uh, that uh, we, we have that knowledge there. But Sox is going to be the interesting one, not to put it all on him, but certainly these three player announcements were uh, were big, as you would expect for a two time TI champion team back to back. And uh, with a third one, certainly in the sights. 
for uh, for no tilling Thompson specifically. The one, the one last fact on this team before we do move on is, and many many have talked about it, but isn't it something that four of these five players are are mid players or at least have played it in their history? I mean, even no till of course comes from that mid role, but especially mid one and Simeon more recently. Uh, the fact that uh, they they have that going for them is 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 an interesting concept, but kind of goes back to that whole core argument, and you know sometimes uh, that may be for the better as long as they're willing to uh, change their position and willing to make that sacrifice almost to an extent. So, Notel was an insane mid and Han, somebody says. Yes, yes, he was. He played a great Rasta, or Polywog Priest, as it was <laughs> called in the game. All right. Uh, yeah. No, but let's move on. We, we have a lot to cover today. Okay. Uh, NIP, of course, uh, another team that actually had some roster changes as well. Uh, really interesting ones, in fact. Um, but uh, the changes that they ultimately ended up making, of course, we already knew about Gunner. Uh, Biver also no longer a part of the team. Their new five-man roster is, you got PPD. Universe is going to the four position. Lellis is stepping in in position three. Tanner, their mid. And DeHawk at a CIS representing going position one for them. Of course, DeHawk more recently of Gambit. Last season, a team that certainly surprised a lot of people and played very well for most of the season. Um, so a a name that, if you remember that at least, uh, certainly makes sense and could be a strong position one player for them. But new five-man roster, what, do you, what was your take on this one? Well... I guess at the beginning of the season, if you had asked me if NIP doesn't do well, what's going to happen? And I could have probably predicted that it was going to be PPD and Universe, and the other three were going to get the get the boot. So, uh, I it's kind of sad to me. First off, you know that that's how it goes sometimes. But let's be honest, that team was such a, cat- a catastrophe that it just had to be drastic. What exactly was done um, with this new roster, though? Uh, I have my doubts. You know, I. I they already made so many adjustments with the player, sheer player volume of three. Tanner didn't really prove himself to me as like solid just yet. And you're also moving universe to four. Uh, I think Layla's has proven to be a pretty good offlaner time and time again, but I've never really seen him truly step it up uh, in my eyes. So uh, I think this is for me, one of his, if not his best opportunity to do so. So he's kind of the player I'm looking out for on this team. Like if he really finds his place to shine uh, on this roster, I think he's going to be the the real deciding factor of whether or not this team has success. And they're also playing in EU. So uh, we'll see. I, I have my skepticism now after watching the first time around, but I think PPD, uh, to be blunt, was more careful this time around with his roster than at the start of the season. It feels like they kind of just threw something together at the start of the season, and now they're being a bit more methodical and careful. So, One could argue that, I don't know if this is actually the case, but one could argue it's almost a little easier to make a roster move like this and put a team together midseason than it is after TI and going into a full new season. Because, you know, in a full new season, it's just chaos all over, right? There's players moving all over the place, you know, talking to all these different teams and a lot of, uh, a lot of shuffling going on there. Hence the shuffle madness. But um, now the, the downside is the obvious that the availability isn't necessarily as high, but to form a team and put it together, it feels like it would be a little easier, a little less chaotic as I keep going back to uh, here in this part of the season. So to that point, um, yeah, I, I think I think it goes without question. Tanner will continue to be that question mark of a player for this team. Still a, a very young player. We don't really know much about him, and he knows debut in the recent event. Of course, wasn't the wasn't the craziest ever. Uh, did solid enough, but uh, Universe also going to position four is another interesting one to me. And I know obviously we're talking about a you know a player that's played Dota since the early Dota days even, and he's been around forever, but he's been doing that in position three <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong for most of his career so it is certainly a change of pace especially when you've been doing it for so long and uh you gotta you gotta wonder you know how is he gonna fit in as, uh, as far as position four goes but the experience is definitely there mixed with this this skill that's what these ppd teams seem to bring to the table year in and year out at least so 
uh, yet another example of that. But yeah, the one other point I want to go a little bit further into that you touched on was the fact that they're in the European region. And, you know, we'd mentioned that when they announced the whole roster change in the first place, but taking a little bit deeper look into it and kind of realizing it's kind of how fair is it? You know, the idea that they started in Europe the first cycle, they got to go to North America qualifiers the previous cycle, and now here they are back in the European qualifiers. You know, we've had instances in the past in previous seasons where Valve has explicitly told teams they cannot play and bounce around regions, yet for whatever reason, NIP this season has been given that opportunity to bounce around regions almost at will, it feels like. And it's... it. It, it kind of goes back to the ultimate problem that there isn't this overseer from Valve or this commissioner of sorts that, you know, is putting the fist down and be like, no, this is the move and you, you, you have to stick to this ruling. Uh, it, it seems very willy nilly a lot of the time. And I think this is unfortunately another example of that. Love PPD, but it seems like he's he keeps kind of getting around the system somehow. And here they are back in Europe, which... You know, one could argue is obviously it's much tougher, as and they know that, than it is to NA, but their ultimate logic is that they're preparing for TI. So they want to play against this great competition. So that makes sense. And in, in a sense, it's almost harmful to the for them to play in the Cycle 3 European region when it would be, quote-unquote, easier to play in the NA region. But I still feel like it's worth uh, the debate and worth addressing that it, it just doesn't seem fair. Yeah, I agree. I think... As a segue, really the only thing I have to say about it is it seems like next season they are doing stuff to address this, like a soft roster lock type of, or like region lock type of scenario. So I don't really have much else to say other than I, I agree it is unfair that a team can just do that kind of on a will, on a, on a whim. But I also think that next season it seems like they're addressing it. And I'm curious to see how it plays out with that. So if we want to move on to that subject and, and you know, kind of use that as a segue, that'd be great for me. I'm just going to open up this article to yeah. make sure I don't miss the core points. I remember there being a soft region lock um, on the new Valve system that's going to be coming out. Uh, what I was confused about, and I, I genuinely – is it a rumor or is it confirmed? That so, this is happening. Yeah, I actually I realized I had the wrong uh, wrong link there. There there was actually so it, it's not a hundred percent confirmed. It was a I don't even want to call it a leak necessarily. It was just a from sources a post on on Liquid Dota was actually posted uh, concerning what uh, was discussed at this meeting that we heard about not only some top talent being there as far as even commentators as well as. Uh, representatives from a lot of the top tier teams went to the valve headquarters in seattle and they discussed the next season and after that then uh, this is the post that came as a result of uh of it with said sources so it, it's one of, it's again it's not like an official post we don't know 100 percent everything that's going to be in it it's more of these are some talking points and what the believed uh next season is going to be like i see i uh it basically, what the idea was is that there's going to be like a tier two and a tier one league, and there's going to be no more minors, and there's going to be a major where if you make it like top two from tier two, you go to tier one, mm-hmm. and I believe if you get top two from the tier one league, you make it to the major, something like that. Uh, so they're basically leagues is what the proposed idea is, and is if, if you swap regions you're forced to start over. Like you're forced to go back to tier two league from the like open qualifier, like the open qualifier feeds into the bottom league. And I like this overall system that promotes there's less major tournaments. So teams aren't going to go through that ridiculous grind that people have been complaining about. I think that's a big issue, but then I also think it's an issue. You know, they, we've talked about this in previous episodes, so I'll be brief that, you know, we want teams to have to qualify, but there has to be a balance. You can't. Ha- I don't think the team that won the previous major should have to qualify for the next major. I just think that's a load of baloney. Like, I think if you win the major, you should have to do poorly at the next major to be out of the major. You know, like, why should Secret have to go back two weeks later and prove themselves again to be worthy of going to a major? You know, they just won, uh, you know, quite convincingly. So I think that um, it also would dictate the regions better in terms of rather than having, 
you know, this region gets three invites, this region gets two, whatever. You mm. just give every region, you know, two invites and keep the top four from the last, you know, just some example of that where we're not promoting, it's not up to a judgment call anymore. If three Chinese teams made top six or top five or whatever, then five Chinese teams are going to the next major. You know, that's just proof that that region is better. But obviously you still have to have that bottom line where a team, where regions like North America, South America, the weaker regions will have two slots anyways, because then otherwise you're limiting their chance for growth, in my opinion. So uh, all those things considered, I just hope that this kind of shenanigans coming out from NIP, I'm not even like mad at them. You know, they're just kind of, abusing a system that's abusable um i hope yeah. it's not done any i hope it's not doable anymore yeah it, you can't be mad at nip i agree there it's it's again mad at the system and the the idea of these loopholes being in the, there in the first place and uh it, clearly something needs to be said and done to prevent it from happening and and so yeah as you're as you're mentioning it they're at least attempting to not only address that but the the tier two scene and that's we've talked about that many times uh the idea of de- helping develop it, and, and this is at least a, a step in that direction. The idea that, as you mentioned, no minors, three majors. To your point about having the team that will even won or even the top placement in the previous major being invited to the next major, I would tend to agree with you if it was this season was still five majors and uh, the five minors even in place. But the fact that we're going down to that now even three majors next season – I, I don't know if I see that as as viable still because you're talking about the whatever even just one or the top four teams win the first major they just automatically get to go on to that next major and that's you know two thirds of the season that they've qualified for in a sense because they placed top four at the first major which yes I, I can understand that that argument that that just should be how it is but I'm also fine with teams having to then play. Uh, once again, to compete for uh, the next major. So I'm, I'm not personally as sold on the idea that they should be automatically qualified for the next one, mainly because we are cutting it down yet again in terms of uh, in terms of the amount right there. But I, as far as the overall on this, again, it's, it's exciting. But like I said at the very beginning, it's this wasn't an official post. This was just leaked information from sources that attended the event or the, more so the meeting that happened. Something tells me we're going to, of course, get a more official statement down the line here in the season with the actual breakdown of how it's going to play out. Um, whether that's closer to TI or not, we'll, we'll wait and see, I suppose. But uh, it's at least exciting. It is in the third-party tournaments, you know, making a bit of a stronger comeback is, in my opinion, also fairly exciting because that's that's definitely what the scene was, uh, was built on, at least. And I think they for the most part do benefit and help help mix it up uh, i would like to see that 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 balance of having these third party events mixed in with the dpc season that official circuit but because of the length of the dpc season here these last three years especially it's been harder to do that and have these uh intermediate events uh in between so um exciting but again we don't know the full knowledge there when it comes to this Yep, I agree. I uh, I think that's a good point you make about the fact that there's only three majors. Um, yeah, I just at the same time hate to think that a team that won the previous major, it, like it just depends to me on how long the qualifiers are after the major. Uh, since there's only three, I would expect there's probably going to be a decent decent amount of time between. Yeah. Um, I just. I think the pressure to remain in the top of your game 365 days a year is the problem. So if that's addressed, I don't really care how it's addressed. If that means that they get, you know, two months between one major and the next qualifier such that, you know, they can take two weeks off and then go back and work six weeks really hard, you know, then I can get behind that, you know, that they have to qualify for every single major. That That's just my concern because I think it does hurt the quality of competitive Dota 2 games for people to have to be on top of their game 365 days a year. That, yeah. That's that's my problem. So as long as that's addressed, and I think you make a good point about the fact that there's going to be a lot, much larger space between majors, uh, I'm good with that. Well, it, to be fair, it, it matters how these leagues play out, right? Like we don't know the length of these leagues, and maybe the leagues are going to be you know, in between, of course, the majors you'd figure, and then how much that time are the leagues taking up? Is it going to be like three matches a week? Is it going to be – you know that that's all up in the air still. That's why I go back to yeah. We're, we we are gonna have to wait and see 
what uh, what information more comes out what this rather than just the very base of what's happening. But yet again, it's good to see a step in the right direction, I think, is we're both in agreement with. And it seems like the, the general reaction has been that way as well. Uh, when it comes to the DPC. So willing to make some uh, decent changes yet again. Here we are in what uh, th- it'll be the fourth. Yeah, the fourth season, the fourth official DPC season next year as we're in the third one currently. So still young in a lot of ways and still willing to change, which is good. Um, so, yeah, that uh, th- that information coming out. So worth at least uh, discussing there. Now, uh, back to this season, of course, the next event, the next cycle of events, really, we got our major qualifiers going to be starting up here, in fact, uh, this weekend. This weekend, they start with the open qualifiers and then into next week. Of course, the regional qualifiers will be taking place. So ESL Los Angeles 2020, it's pretty cool to see that. Still uh, happy that we got an NA LAN this uh, this year. In finally. LA. I know, finally, right? And your pub game is going to be great during that time. We've talked about that as well. So extra Very excitement true. there. I just hope the teams decide to boot camp like four weeks ahead of time so that, uh, you know, the pubs are good for like a month. That'd be nice. Yeah. Now, dream. only uh, I, I'm going through here and I don't believe. OK, so just about every region, actually, NA and SA have not been announced yet, but the. We know the close qualifier teams for the other four regions that'll be uh, playing in the event. So again, there's not a lot of previewing to do here necessarily. Uh, as our next po- next week's podcast, we'll start uh, you know talking about results even from it. But a couple of uh, storylines is um, one in the European region. I do find it interesting that there's a couple of teams in there. You know, one we've already mentioned about NIP and their situation, but that's done. There's a team like Viking.gg. They're one of the direct invites, yet looking at the roster, it's a completely different roster other than, what, maybe one player? If that? Yeah. Actually, I don't even know if any of them were on the previous roster in the last cycle. It's Shad, Boom, Toby, Aramis, and Solarian. Several of these players, again, they don't even have a Wikipedia profile, so... Not too much information on them, but my, my point is, what happened to the idea that why do they not have to play in the open qualifiers? This is kind of just another one of these things that that it just doesn't make sense to me. But yeah, lack of consistency for sure. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I've kind of stopped questioning it at this point. I just hope the next season, as we've talked about the rumors, kind of just addresses this crap by virtue of like there's just no loopholes, you know the. Okay, so my one thing I'll say is that I, back when I was organizing sub tournaments and stuff, I got a brief look glimpse into the nature of humans. Okay, so what I mean by this, you know, I'm not giving some huge philosophical talk here, but what I mean is that when I ran tournaments, I noticed that if there was a way for somebody to basically misinterpret my rule in their favor they would use it they would do it right that, that's that was my overarching theme here and i realized that it really all came into fruition when i ran my chess tournament that kind of got flack or whatever but what happened was i was like going over at the start of this tournament and i said what could people do in this tournament to you know try to break the rules or try to cheat I asked myself that. That was the approach I had had to have. And we made, between my moderators and I, we made like five or six rules that established, you know, for results, you have to have three different people turn in a screenshot, stuff like that. And on the second day of the, or on the second round of the tournament, we received a screenshot, reported the results, and then we had two other people say, no, 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 like, here's our screenshots. And the guy had photoshopped the damn results of the game so that he was top three instead of fourth. And I was just like, holy crap, like, what if we didn't have this rule in place, right? Like, I would have just taken the first screenshot and we would have just done that, right? And we would have moved on. And it's like, my point that I'm making is, if this many things are going wrong with what people are doing, Uh, about like you know that just doesn't seem right you know that's kind of what you said you're like i don't know that just doesn't seem like it should be that way and my response is that that implies to me a flawed system 
and humanity is always going to be the same. So stop, you know, we, we need to stop questioning the people that are doing it and just make it not doable like that. (laughs) That's, that's how I look at it. So I know that was kind of a long story to make a small point, but it's just funny because if you don't do that as like a tournament organizer on the internet, you're just gonna, you're just going to have people that abuse your system and that's innately the problem. So, and and where to, and yeah, nothing against the events that you put on. I I remember watching that auto chess event. It was a great event to watch and I'm sure it was a hard work on your side. So, so props to you, but it's, it was compared to DPC and these uh, ultimate that TI being on the line. It's a smaller, smaller case scenario there. So, Hey, you know, but that was me and one or two of my moderators, you know, this is, valve a billion dollar company right? you know, i'm sure they can manage uh you know so uh, that's my point right like the the fact that this is even allowed like do they not have checks and balance like do they not have i mean we know they really don't have at least publicly a commissioner of sorts that that's their job is looking for these situations because yeah i, I don't expect I'm not saying this should never happen in the first place and it, should, it, it shouldn't be allowed to leak through, at least for the initial invites or whatever, but why is nobody at Valve City going like, how did I find this? And no one at Valve City are going like, okay, this team is literally four, maybe five different players, yet we're still just inviting them and not having them go. Yet LGD has to play in the open qualifiers. Yet OG has to play in the open qualifiers. Like, they just want two TIs. Let's just make them play in the open qualifiers. But Viking GG, new roster. You guys, welcome. Come on in. It it just seems silly to me. It, it really does. And for for so many great things that Valve does with the DPC and 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 everything else, these just uh, they don't ruin it. But man, it's it's hard to just understand. It's hard to take it seriously sometimes. It yeah. is. It, it is. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> okay, there's my rant on that. Well, anyways, so to that point, yeah, again, OG and LGD. That's a reminder. They are both having to play in the open qualifiers. Uh, RIP to uh, the teams that have to play OG especially um, LGD hey they lost last cycle in the open qualifiers let's mm-hmm. let's see what happens but good luck how to funny them. would it be if somehow they lost to get in the open qualifiers and then they got like 6th at the major the last major and then they just don't qualify directly to TI and then like lose in the close like how crazy would that be right like uh, yeah I... like that would that would be you know Mark my words, if that somehow happens, that this is the day I talked about it. So. <laughs> hey, we, we did not see that coming last cycle, and LGD definitely shocked the world there. So, all right, you know, we keep saying, that, hell, the team that beat them, that I don't even know who it was. No one even talks about that team. But I, I don't even think the team that beat them actually got out of the open qualifiers. I think they ended up losing later on anyways. Yikes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I might be wrong on that. But point is, they both have to play in the open qualifiers because great system here. So, um, yeah, we don't know NA and SA yet, but yeah, so not much else to really go over here. Uh, we'll start uh, going over the results come next week, of course. And by a couple of weeks from now, we'll know teams at the major. That'll be taking place for cycle three. Um, going back a little bit, I actually forgot, uh, when we're talking about the roster uh, roster news, so one we did look over, meant to bring up, is Cloud9. Cloud9 is back in uh, Dota 2, by the way. They, they're they making a comeback yet again. A team, an organization that's, of course, pretty big in esports, and they've been involved in Dota 2 several times with different rosters. Uh, they forget Sing Sing. Yep, Sing Sing. You got, uh, of course, Eternal Envy's had history with them and crew. So um, now we're looking at the new one of you got Pylai Die, Flea, Misery, and then VT Faded, as well as Skem is their official new roster right here so misery back in that leadership role at playing position three by the way so that's also interesting off the bat uh but vt faded a great core player uh more recently has definitely been up and coming so excited to see him and then scamming that position one so a mix of southeast asia and religious flair from all over the world uh that's playing out right here and i wanted to confirm something on them real quick let me pull up their announcement um, the team will be playing in the Southeast. So yeah, they're going to be playing in the SEA qualifiers here coming up, but they'll re- be representing North America in the future events is what they say in their statement. So, uh, yeah, they will have to play open qualifiers. So another team they'll have to go through that, but they're going SEA at least for this cycle. Yeah. I mean, just another one of those teams that to me, I, I just have a healthy amount of skepticism for, towards uh, other than really misery. Uh, I, I love my boy flea. I've played on teams with him before and 
players like Skim, they just they've been stuck in the tier three, bottom of tier two for a long time. And I I always think there's a reason for it for every player. Whatever that reason is is always a bit different. But all that means to me is they have something to prove. Just because they've proven themselves as good players uh, isn't enough nowadays. You know, you can you can have the the players of the world like them, or you can have the Topsons, you know, the players that just are meant to be professional, you know, all-star level players. So uh, we'll just have to see. It's a roster of a bunch of question marks for me. Mm-hmm. And that to me, it just means that I, I, I always root for the players like that, especially players like Flea that I've played with before. And I think are, are good guys and, you know, the type that I would root for. But aside from that, you know, I, I don't want to get my hopes up. That's all there really is. Yeah. Um, okay, I do have a clarification to make. Uh, on the, It was actually brought up on the Viking.gg team specifically. I, I guess I was looking at it wrong. I was looking at the previous roster, and apparently this is a roster that they actually were using in the previous cycle as well, minus one player. Um, Tanner was actually on this team before moving over to NIP. Oh. Uh, boom, replacing him as a new position too. So, uh Okay, I misspoke there, so so never mind <laughs> that whole that argument there, uh, not necessarily uh, holding up. But damn it, still Valve needs to be better now. Yeah, the, I mean the the argument still applies even if it doesn't exactly <laughs> in that case yeah. work in this example. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anyway, so yeah, back to Cloud Nine again. It's this is out of these roster announcements that we had. It's it's kind of like if you had materialist, maybe the the least expected to do very well especially off the bat um even when they come to na if that's that ultimately is their plan i don't necessarily think that they're just going to step in na and you know be a dominant team by any means so um yeah team with potential like i said some young core player especially in vt faded but uh we'll see uh how they're how they're able to perform but I, I personally, it's just cool to see. I'm more hyped about Cloud Nine specifically, just being back in. Dota yeah, Jones. that that part of it's cool. Uh, I just hope that the reason why I say like I, I approach with skepticism is there's a reason why organizations don't come back to Dota for like tier three, tier two teams, and that's just because it's hard to 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 trust that that team will have any level of success. So mm-hmm. I I, yeah, I hear this Cloud Nine thing, and I just almost hope this team has some semblance of success, just so organizations are more inclined to come back to Dota because a lot of them have kind of just given up. Yeah. Over time on and off, but uh, good to see them back and we'll see how they perform. All right. So moving on to the last topic that I just wanted to bring up as uh, winding down here in the show, uh, we got the ESL again, they announced uh, going into the season that they're going to be doing the, their official pro rankings that they'll even use to help out their, their own tournaments that they run. But um, always fun. This is just just fun talking points to go over, and uh, they just announced their uh, pro rankings for after the last major that took place. So your official rankings as of now, uh, you got one Vici Gaming at the top spot. You had Secret as, as a runner-up. Evil Geniuses in three. TNC in that four spot, and then Alliance rounds out your top five for the uh, official world rankings here, according to ESL. So. Uh, you know, it's it is interesting seeing Vici Gaming at top, considering they didn't win one of the first two majors, but they did very well in both of them, and I think that's where this is paying off. You know, the fact that the consistency is there. Secret, they didn't even play in the first major, and then of course they they won the second one, so that's why they got that second spot. I think if you really were making a power ranking, just um, pure eye test, I, I think you have to put Secret number one. But I understand why they have Vici Gaming number one. Where else would it be more appropriate to put EG than third place? <laughs> That's true, actually. That's my uh, probably my main meme comment coming out from this leaderboard here. I'd say overall it's pretty accurate. The funny thing is Beast Coast is probably like the perfect ninth place team because they always get eighth or ninth in the majors. Uh, they just consistently – like doesn't matter if it's the first major with weaker teams or the second major with a bunch of stronger teams. They're getting eighth, ninth anyway. And uh, – yeah, I think IG makes sense to me. I think I think this is pretty accurate. I, I would say that it's obviously, like you said, because of the fact that Seeker didn't participate in the first major, it's a bit skewed from that. But aside from there, I, I believe that it is entirely accurate. I am very curious now if LGD and OG make it to the next major, <laughs> if Beast Coast will still get eighth. That's what I'm... That, that That's definitely a question mark for me because they did it at TI, they did it at both majors. 
Uh, it's at this point, you know, are they the are they the EG of eighth place? You know, that's <laughs> that's the that's the question. But uh, TNC being fourth, I think, is also a bit much. Uh, you know, you obviously they won yeah. the first major, but I, I'm kind of joining you on the skepticism there uh, of whether or not that team can perform consistently across a bunch of patches. So uh gambit maybe also a little bit of a question mark i probably think i would rate team liquid higher than gambit but aside from that i you know these are fun but it's all just arbitrary at that point yeah it's it's the same thing with the power rankings in traditional sports too i, I kind of like chuckle at it's, it's fun to look at but there's a regular season for for a reason right and that's essentially what we do here with the dpc ultimately that leads into ti so this this whole you know these power rankings and what's really the point now before the dpc existed i actually think it made a lot of sense of course because again teams were getting invited not only to major events but even ti itself without uh or by these kind of ranking systems in a sense there was no regular season that led them into it necessarily so uh has lost its relevance as far as uh what it what it really means over time but it's it's still fun to to have and uh, you know props to sl i suppose for at least uh, giving us discussions points there uh, to talk there about. There you go. Help, helping helping our content. Yeah. We can only thank them. Yes, there we are. Uh, yeah, and with that in mind, I think that actually marks the beginning of the end for our episode. Rip. This I mean, uh, yay or something. <laughs> I don't know what the proper reaction there is. Oh, it's been a good show. It's, it's, it's sad to go, but we'll be back next week as always, keeping the consistency flow going here. And we hope to have a, another guest on next week as well. So we'll see about making that happen. But uh, PSJ as always, any anything else? Any shout-outs here? Uh, no shout-outs for me. Just uh, shout-out to all the people who supported me on my AK journey, you know. So I'm going to say no shout-outs for me, but I'm going to give a shout-out anyway. So. Uh, I'm good. I'm, I've said enough for today, as always, and I'll look forward to seeing you again next week, guys. All right, sounds good. Wombo Combo Podcast. Uh, we're wrapping up, ladies and gentlemen. Shout out to you guys for tuning in. Hit that follow button, guys, especially on yes. uh, on our Twitch channel, uh, as well as even subscribe if you like. Uh, it actually does help the show out and all the prediction uh, shows here. Uh, we're one of many throughout the esports scene uh, under the prediction umbrella, and uh, we definitely appreciate any and all support. So again, hit that follow button, hit the subscribe if, if you like, and we will see you guys next week on the Wombo Combo Podcast. Until then, I'm Breaking CPK, joined by BSJ. Have a good night. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.